Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. You should celebrate yourself every day, but some days you should celebrate with jewelry. Whether you want to commemorate an unforgettable moment or just bring some added sparkle to your collection. Blue Nile can offer you expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com today and experience the ease and convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com. BlueNile.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is PlushCare. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. The following is a presentation of the Four Center podcast feed. From the center of the galaxy, this is the Four Center Podcast Feed, and this episode of the Four Center Podcast Feed is a brand exciting new one. It is the first episode of the Bad Batch Report. Oh, I don't know if we need music, but we just need wrecker. I forgot I had to do music. All right. Uh, um. <laughs> 
I didn't want to, if, if people are just listening to this the first time, uh, we do an ep- episode of Force Center called uh, The Clone Wars Report, where we're discussing every arc of The Clone Wars. And I usually say The Clone Wars Report, and then Ken makes music, and we just didn't discuss it. I wanted to see what would happen. No, that's all I mean. That's bad improv. When you call it out, I had muted my mic and was clearing my throat. We, If you're just finding us, we are professional broadcasters. We actually are. <laughs> I really loved that. Just as you started talking, there was not as long of a pause, I think, as you're feeling. There was a half a second pause, and then you started talking, and I couldn't tell if you had something in your throat or you were doing an impression of Wrecker. It, uh, you know, I was quick, uh, quick enough quick enough on my feet there, but I'll tell you what, I had the best frozen burrito right before this show, and that's uh, that's part of what's going on. Anyway, so <laughs> Excellent. I think it is in the spirit of the Bad Batch that we start this episode by being a little deviant. Uh, I yeah. think that is great. Uh, but we are going to dive into this. I'm Joseph Scrimshaw, and the person who just had a frozen burrito is... Knapsack, who is full and ready to bad batch it up. Yeah, very, very excited uh, to discuss this. Let's just dive right in, Ken. Uh, this is, of course, the first episode. It is called Aftermath. It is written by Jennifer Corbett and Dave Filoni. It is directed by Stuart Lee, Saul Ruiz, and Nathaniel Villanueva. Uh, so right off the bat, that's something interesting to discuss in in a show that has many interesting things to discuss. This is a 70-minute episode, a big premiere event released on May 4th, Star Wars Day. Ken, how did you feel about the fact that it was a big 70-minute uh, premiere? Were you happy with that? Uh, yes, overall, the spirit of that is there. Uh, we'll talk a little bit later. There were times I felt it was a, maybe didn't need to be 70 minutes, and that's a that's a that's like a light feather of a complaint. I really enjoyed it. It felt like an event. The Star Wars fans and the community, man, we really do come together, right? When 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 it's a thing and we're ready to watch the thing, you just kind of can feel the energy, even though you're home alone on your couch for me, midnight. <laughs> you know, you just kind of can feel the <laughs> anticipation. And I thought all that really worked. And this episode did feel big once it started. Three directors. That makes sense. It was giant. Yeah, yeah. I think um I love what you're saying about that sense of community and that is a part of what makes Star Wars great is the actual storytelling but also the community around it. And you're right, I tweeted at, you know, two minutes to midnight here on the West Coast that I was about to watch Bad Batch and many, many people liked the tweet. You know, if I just tweeted in the middle of the night, like, I'm going to watch an old episode of Fear Factor, you know, 70 people wouldn't like that tweet. You know, it is a sense of community that you don't get from other things sometimes. Yeah, totally. Yeah, no, believe me, all my She's the sheriff tweets to go silent. No one likes that. <laughs> so I, I feel you on that. You know, it's, it's funny. And I always, all the, sometimes the drama and the discourse and all those things we can kind of get grumpy about very understandably. Uh, I love those moments where you're just sitting ready, uh, sitting there on the couch, ready for new star Wars and everyone's there for it. That's right. We're all on a couch together, you know, in a way, after a fashion. Yeah, I I really enjoyed getting this premiere, this longer premiere, I think because it managed to do kind of a full setup, right? And it feels like we are literally launching into adventure. Um, I know what you're saying. I think there is a possibility that this is kind of a, a reworked version of three episodes, mm-hmm. Uh this is the way I felt a little bit when I saw that there were three uh, distinct directors and you do the math of 70 minutes. It's, you know, is this kind of three 23 ish minute episodes merged together? And I think there is maybe like a little structure, a little pacing things that it feels a little bit uh, different because of that. But I was really happy with it because I was really happy to get like 
okay, here's the whole setup. Now they're off on their adventure. Yeah, I, I think you're right that this this is probably three episodes that they uh, did the old uh, George Lucas. Let's put him into one for the Clone Wars debut back in 08. Uh, put him in a in a, in a movie, uh, and and it did work. When I say it was long, there was only a couple sequences where I was like, yeah, yeah okay, I kind of get it. I get what you're going for. Um, wouldn't mind moving along. But also, I will say, Joseph, when you're sitting there and it's uh, you know 1 a.m. And you want to go to sleep and you got to get up at 630. My life's not hard, but I'm just saying <laughs> sometimes you're like, OK, maybe the training sequence could be two minutes shorter. But that's that's very small. complaint. Yes. No. And I, and I, I agree with that, uh, that concern. And I also think it is, you know, uh, about the, the structure rather than any individual scene overstaying its welcome for me. Uh, but let's get into uh, beyond the nature of the premiere and that grand tradition of Star Wars animated shows being <laughs> a pilot of several episodes put together. Let's talk about our big overall reaction uh, to this episode and to kind of the setup of what the Bad Bat show is going to be. I make it sound like a late night show. The Bad Bat show. Uh, what was your overall reaction? Did you love it? Like it? Struggle with it? Man, I really dug this, and I'm not surprised by that at all. But uh, and I've been seeing this, and and even talking about this with other Star Wars commentators that we know. That you know, there's always excitement for new Star Wars, but Bad Batch had that little bit of like, oh, okay, when it was announced, like, sure, let's see what we can do with this uh, A team in space. Um, I I I think the episode where I can't wait to get the details. I think it 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 didn't surprise me in a way. And then continued to surprise me on some of these moments of depth that, that, that how they turn these these action figures into characters. And so therefore, I, I, I really dug it. It worked very well as a pilot starting point. It, it totally relies on you got some knowledge, but also I think I think you can sit down and watch it for the first time and pick up what's going on. Um, in fact, I, I always, that barometer, uh, you know, my, my partner, Grace was uh, heading into, she wasn't going to stay up and watch it, but she was kind of taking the dog and heading into bed. And she saw uh, Palpatine talking. We're, we'll get to that. And she was like, wait, but this is from episode three. And I was like, I know. And she stayed watch for a couple minutes because <laughs> that, that pulls people in and she's not watching any of the Star Wars animation. So uh, overall, uh, I really love it. And I'll say that I'm good. Joseph, I'm going to try to say this only once, at least once per episode. It looked gorgeous. I, will, I promise not to say that every time we review one of these episodes. Well, I think we should. Why not celebrate? Because this was gorgeous. And there were a couple of uh, particular shots that were like uh, knowingly gorgeous, right? I mean, yeah. anybody who makes anything wants to make something gorgeous. But there, there were a couple that were like, would you like a print of this? Here you go. Like it was some really, really beautiful shots yeah. uh, and, and that really supported the story and the emotion. Uh, yeah, I really like what you're saying about how it, it definitely does reward fans who have been with Star Wars for a long time, particularly uh, the Star Wars animated uh, yeah. stories. But I was also really entertained that like every time I was like, ooh, that moment really has resonance with this. It was often uh, tech ha had has taken up the the Rick Ollier uh, mantle of exposition because <laughs> there were a lot of moments where tech was like, hey, didn't you uh, have this interaction with that Tarkin guy? And like, you know, uh, there are a lot of little helpful moments from tech. Uh, yeah, and it worked, and you and you got to have those moments to for for the new audience. But yeah, I, I was laughing a little of him, a uh, little. But he's a perfect character for it. He he re it really just flows out of his who he is. Right, right, and like, yeah, weren't you Saw Guerrero? Weren't you trained by General Skywalker? It's great, it, it, but it makes sense for his character, and it it invites people in or, or refreshes uh, people who have not uh, watched uh, all the episodes and, and read every Wikipedia entry every day. Uh, for myself, I really, really like this. I totally agree with you. I think that the Bad Batch 
in the Clone Wars season seven were great, but they were set up to, they definitely had some ideas to them and they definitely had humanity to them, but they were definitely like, these are the side characters that we're visiting for an episode. These are the guest stars. So they get to be bigger and bolder and weirder. And they made all these great choices right off the bat uh, to add uh, even more depth uh, kind of taking that tip of the iceberg that we saw in Clone Wars Season 7 and showing us some more of the iceberg and uh, making us feel for them as uh, as individuals and also just on a real surface level, wounding them because like physically, obviously emotionally they're wounded as well, but physically wounding them a couple of times I thought was really important and really great uh, because they can come across as they're this fun riff on 80s, super soldiers right that are unstoppable they are an army all of themselves uh they're better than a jedi a padawan and a team of of clones yeah. you know uh so you could easily get to that point where okay they're unstoppable they're the best ever so why do i care so i thought wounding them both emotionally and physically was really important to making us care about their journey totally and, and, and i'll highlight it here because it's in the overall reaction and, and we'll dive into the details I, I got to say, I was I was a huge fan. I'm using the word huge, Joseph, Joseph, to say I was a fan of Crosshair being at odds with them. And I know you could say a lot of it has, has to do with his chip and and then the uh, kind of uh, sprucing up the effects of the, of the chip and all that kind of stuff. But it just made the choices by the rest of the team stronger. It made the conversations and where you can go with kind of some of the morals and the themes. I really like that decision. I, I don't know how long it's going to last. Does this lead to redemption? Is Crosshair in the Empire for good? I don't know. I can't wait to find out. But it was really effective to kind of to serve what you're saying of, of just there there's there's some damage here that we can deal with. Yeah, exactly. And I think that's maybe what makes the show ultimately powerful to me is the Bad Batch are interesting, weird, wild, kind of fun Star Wars characters. But they're also the perfect vessel to deal with this part of the Star Wars timeline, mm -hmm. the Star Wars story that we spent some time with in comics and books, but not really on screen. I love that this is a show about the immediate burning away of the Clone Wars, like that it starts visually with that's that's meta, right? It's a transition from, yeah, this is the show that we knew Clone Wars and then it burns away and it becomes the Bad Batch. But I love that it starts with uh, that burning logo, logo, the great uh, newsreel narrator, classic Clone Wars stuff and then kind of classic Clone Wars scene of droid and Jedi fun. Then everything just hits a wall. Uh, between Order 66, then everywhere they go is uh, dark and ominous. Uh, the clones, besides the Bad Batch, are no longer likable or have identity. We are murdering citizens and civilians. And it, it makes us as an audience mm. feel what, bad, what the Bad Batch much, must feel and what many people in the galaxy must feel. You know, it, it is the shroud of the dark side. Uh, and it makes us feel it because it uses our experience as viewers. It's not like the Clone Wars... Uh, show didn't have uh, dark moments and ominous moments, but it takes everything that was joyful and fun and forward moving and hopeful about Clone Wars. Uh, the Clone Wars show reminds us of it and then rips us away and throws us into the pit, <laughs> which is just a great idea. Yeah, you're really breaking down that opening in, in a real just um, 
thought provoking way because it, it 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 is it's simple it's straightforward as as you should be when you're writing scripts get your point across put it in there but there's the depth to it you're right the rest of this episode is is is, is literally dark it's literally raining we're on Capino and look at some point the Bad Batch might have a picnic in a sunny park I I, I am not expecting this entire series to be that um, but yeah no I. I, I think it was really effective because it felt like, and I'll, we'll even have some of the comedy whimsy stuff. There's some like, hey, the old the old times, and then boom, we all know what's coming, or at least the, the fans who aren't new to this the show know what's coming. Uh, we can we can our, our tension starts to rise with within us uh, as we know Order sixty six is is here, and it, it really looks like, as you said, the shroud of darkness literally falls. Yeah, and I like that big thematic idea, and that's the new world that these characters need to navigate. But exactly as, as you're saying, it isn't like, all right, you know, turn off all the lights and, you know, get ready for moody emo Star Wars. There's still uh, within the Bad Batch this mix of, you know, exciting action, uh, humor, character development, even a little bit of uh, fun intrigue, which I think is a little bit different for a Star Wars show, uh, uh, particularly when a lot of Star Wars animated shows like Clone Wars and Rebels, there have been questions about the characters, but they're building to specific events, right? Um, there are specific moments in the timeline. And there's this nice sense of intrigue with, we get that Omega is a clone, mm. but we don't know exactly why Nala say uh, the uh, Kaminoan uh, scientist wanted the Bad Batch to escape. We don't know if Omega has some sort of uh, larger purpose. You know, there's a little bit of intrigue there, you know? Oh, totally played for it, and 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 you know a lot of uh, the speculations already running wild, uh, force sensitive, or you know, even going into the show, Palpatine clone. I think it's a Crix Maidine clone. I think you're all missing the boat. <laughs> but yeah, and it played, and it didn't distract. It wasn't. It doesn't play it up other than just it's part of this on, ongoing story that we're now on. Uh, and and I really liked how they handled that. Yeah, and you heard it here first. Uh, Omega is both Phasma and Ray's mom. Answered. You know it. <laughs> Uh, but, yeah, but I, I think what, she went to school with Sindel <laughs> in the Ewoks movie. Yeah, I think what I'm responding to, though, is it doesn't feel like any of those. Ooh, who could she be connected to? It feels like there's more to the story of how Nala Say and maybe even Lama Su feel about the nature of the clones mm -hmm. that they were that that omega was created and was she created for a purpose and what does that mean to the bad batch and what does that mean to the galaxy it feels much more um story driven than character connection revelation yeah no look it, it's when you it, you know you and i always go to star wars uh you know doesn't want want you to ask what they you want why and and there's a lot of why that will drive this story going forward and i that's why that when i say it's not distracting i i don't mind a good theory and you're going to see a lot of youtube videos i'm sure pop up about who is omega yeah we want to know but you're right it feels though it is, it is driving parts of the story forward and that, that's that's more exciting to me than any kind of big revelation of the lore connection yeah yeah here's my here's my big final thought on overall reaction that i wanted to share here at the top ken is mm -hmm. When we saw the first trailer that revealed uh, Omega and that this was going to be a kid who is, you know, now traveling the galaxy with these, frankly, brutal warriors who maybe don't know how to raise a kid. You're like, hey, I feel as though I have perhaps seen something like that recently in Star Wars <laughs> with uh, Mandalorian and Grogu. So I so went into this going, that's a classic 
uh, part of Star Wars, the the youth perspective, the coming of age perspective, mm-hmm. uh, the child who is pushed out of innocence and has to face uh, the galaxy and decide who they're going to be. That's all classic Star Wars stuff. But how is this going to be different? And what I was really enjoying toward the end of this episode is the sort of realization that a ton of Star Wars storytelling about uh, children taking their first step into the galaxy is often a found family story, which is great. It's one of the most important things about Star Wars, right? Of, mm-hmm. of anyone can become your family. That's, you know, Ezra's story. I think that's Grogu's story, Grogu and Din, that they become a clan of two. You know, right. this is such a great switch of uh, Omega is an enhanced clone like the Bad Batch. So this, even though it's a very strange family of origin, this feels like it's a family of origin story. This feels like the strange Star Wars story where we get to see the child raised around the people that the child was meant to be a part of. (laughs) Yeah, there you go. Yeah, truly part of the team. Yeah, and I don't mean that in in any judgmental way against found family stories in Star Wars. It is Mm. one of my very favorite things about Star Wars, but I'm curious to see how this might play out of Omega sort of like searching them out on Kamino to say, I'm I'm like you. I need your help to figure out who I'm supposed to be. Yeah, uh, we'll talk. Uh, uh, sorry, I have a habit of saying we'll talk about it later because <laughs> I want to save some of the juicing. We'll talk about that habit later. Talk about that habit later. Uh, but when she sits down with him uh, in the mess hall, it's one of my favorite little moments of just like she doesn't question it. Yeah, yeah you, you're my people. <laughs> yeah, and this is the way it's going to be. All right, so that's a lot of overall reactions. Let's dive into what we thought were the the big themes or the ideas at stake in this episode. Ken, how did you frame it? For you, what was the big idea at stake in this first episode or maybe the series? The series. I, I, right now we are in a wonderfully familiar uh, Star Wars territory. You and I talk about it, but it's because I think if you can you can boil it all down and it is a big bucket of choices and choice being so huge in Star Wars. And then from there you go, you serve out little spoonfuls of growth and change and who are you going to be, which we kind of knew we were going to get when we, we just just the presence of Saw Gerrera in the trailer. We're like, oh, they're going to have some choices to make about who they are. Um Identity, which is something we know, but this big thing of loyalty, that came up a lot, right? Good soldiers mm-hmm. follow orders, um, which is uh, something we've heard in Star Wars before, including canon comic issue number one. We'll talk about that. Um, and the idea of uh, there was a one exchange of, of uh, Hunter and, and Crosshair. Uh, we don't know what the order is to your good soldier follow orders. So what's our loyalty? We don't know where our loyalty lies, and we have to find that out. Um, and, and some moments of, of that. So uh, I think there's a lot about that. A lot of those, those themes, and um, you know, I'll lay all my cards out here on the table, Joseph. Uh, the idea of uh, it, underneath the loyalty thing is is there's a great Omega beat of, you know, you, you came for me, which reminded me very much of the Rise of Skywalker and Chewbacca kind of having that, like, you didn't leave me behind uh, and how powerful that is. And then there's some bigger stuff I, I, I can talk about, about uh, what I'm calling the cheap empire moral. <laughs> which is how their foundations were already from the start built on shaky sand. Oh, yes. No, definitely. Um, I, I would love to discuss that because I think this episode is doing a bunch of great work to say, look, the Empire is terrible. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and here is a laundry list of concrete examples. Um, yeah, I'm totally with you. I, I was definitely affected by this idea of choice, but I think I really felt it framed through identity um, mm. that these clones are like many clones uh, and many soldiers are wrestling with this question of 
identity, and in particular, if it is shaped by choice or programming. There was some great stuff that had like a, a sense of fun or a sense of levity, but it was really driving to this, it, do I choose who I am? Am I born or created the way I am? Mm. Can at any point a, a, a flip, a, a switch be flipped? And I, I, my choices are taken away from me and my identity is changed from an external place, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, in particular, I just really like uh, this idea of one of the ways I think that the, the, that Clone Force 99 as a whole was defined and had a lot of depth added to them was that we saw that they kind of had a complete sense of identity as a group mm-hmm. um, before the, the terrors of Order 66. They have internal community. They know who one another are and they banter about it. They value one another's skills, but they know how they combine their skills as a whole. Uh, they have a home, Camino, but literally... Mm-hmm. Uh, this room uh, that complete with like marks for missions, uh, a unique smell, art <laughs> on the walls. You know, they have a this great solid sense of place as a group. Mm-hmm. And then they have their missions yeah. that give them purpose in a group identity. So you see all these things where you can see like, this is who we are as a group. And this first episode of the show just puts all of that in risk of being lost. Yeah, uh, that's why I kind of highlighted that line. If we don't even we don't even know what the order is from Hunter, it's just it's the carpet being whisked out from underneath you. But you're kind of the one whisking it out, <laughs> you know. Like who are like we like is the, the, going back to season seven, right? I mean, we're like it's very clear what they represent. Very confident young men. <laughs> um, they know who they are, but to have that that's the big question. And and this and then this this growth and change and adapting and. And, and saw literally kind of putting the choice in front of them uh, and, and asking, you know, in his own saw-like way, who you're going to be flow, flows into this uh, quest for new identity. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I love that saw kind of challenges them as a group And saws group is this great contrast of like they're saws there with all of these people who are, are look like they're going through a hard time, but they have made the choice to uh, defy the empire and to do, uh, what is right uh, and I love that he some of Saw's lines uh, times change uh, targets change right, yeah. <laughs> the idea that they won't will not blindly uh, follow the empire the old ways are done you can either adapt and survive or die with the past and then he literally turns the light out and things go dark uh, great great stuff to highlight uh, change um, I think for me the the reason that identity kept popping up is because we did get these very specific moments with each of the clones to remind us their perspective on identity in general or specifically who they are, right? Mm. Um, a lot of the plot is centered on on Crosshair uh, being programmed. Good, good soldiers follow orders. Orders are orders. You know, Order 66 kind of half working on him. Mm. Uh, but then it gets explicit toward the end that his choice is being taken away. You know, when Omega sits down and, and says very kindly to him, uh, I know what you're going to do, but please don't. Right. And he says, what do you know? And she says, I know it's not your fault. And then we do see him just literally having his choice taken away. Yep. If he was vacillating partially because of the inhibitor chip and partially because he found comfort in the missions, the mission, and, and that's my choice, um, any part of that that was making a choice was taken away from him. So we saw that identity actively taken away. Right. Yes. And 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 we've it just visually we've seen the stamp of the empire already. You know, the clones don't have uh, different haircuts, paint jobs, everything. Uh, and so to have it to, as he's sitting there on that table, uh, having having like you said, the choice taken away. Uh, 
tying into the bigger themes of what the empire is trying to do as well. Yeah, exactly. Um, and then just quickly, uh, some of the stuff that I love with the other clones, you know, I like that we got to see in lots of different perspectives that Hunter is not willing to take actions specifically until he understands why yeah. that, you know, that's got, he's got the enhanced senses is his sort of a action figure, yeah, yeah. <laughs> a team super ability. Uh, but the, the true, his true sort of identity is he is a leader and like many leaders, uh, I think uh, what makes good leaders is asking why, you know, he wants to understand, he explicitly says, I want to understand why we're supposed to kill the Jedi. I want to understand why we're supposed to uh, assassinate uh, Saw's people. Um, Mm. And then this moment that is played for Kambi a couple moments, but I think is really gets to the heart of what moved me in this episode is Wrecker is really uncomfortable with the idea that his identity could come from programming. And there's that great moment where he pounds the table and says, I like to blow things up because I like to blow things up. Yeah. You know, it's a joke and it's not an elegant argument, but it is an argument that uh, nothing external can define my identity. I define my identity and, and my identity is, uh, not, he's almost even saying it's not a choice. This is, it's intrinsic. My identity is intrinsic. This is who I am, you know? Yeah, yeah. Oh, great, great moment. I, I can't, the food fight uh, whole sequence is, is uh, one of my favorites of this episode here. And and going back to even to the hunter, I, there's that great exchange with, with Crosshair when they when they learn about, uh, you know, Order 66 and Crosshair just goes, well, that would explain things. And Hunter goes, it doesn't even begin to explain things. Uh, I thought uh, that was really made his character pop for me a little bit more than he has in the past. Uh, of just interesting the thoughts going and he has thoughts you know and and it flows into a lot of what wreckers complaining about too or upset about the idea that no i have thoughts you're telling me i don't have those i don't like yeah yeah and the tuka doll thing which which is a fun joke of you know big violent bruiser who also has a you know the star wars version of a teddy bear it's it's fun and funny but i think it is also kind of an answer to some of these questions of identity of even though Wrecker sometimes defines himself as just, I I live to blow things up, yeah. the Tuka doll shows that there is more to him than just that, you know? Yeah. And it makes us value him more as a character, I think. It's a great save the Tuka moment for all you screenwriting students. <laughs> save the Tuka doll. Um, and then for me, I think Tech was a real MVP of this episode. I've always liked Tech. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, but he, Tech is not, what I like about him is he, I don't feel like he's having an identity crisis but the episode kind of goes out of its way to show us how tech processes the world. Mm-hmm. When he says, you know, like, I'm merely stating a scientific hypothesis based on factual data that there's this discussion of, you know, where does identity come from? How do you make your choices? And mm-hmm. Hunter wants to understand why, you know, Wrecker wants to kind of believe in himself. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, Crosshair just wants to follow order. And tech is like, I just want to look at all the data. <laughs> yeah. And like, well, the data that uh, in that great moment when Crosshair is like, yeah, the Republic, the Empire, what's the difference? And tech's like uh, the mm-hmm. systematic <laughs> murder of the Jedi, paraphrasing, mm-hmm. seems different to me. Mm-hmm. I, uh, uh, yeah, I wrote that down as uh, that's that was a. Uh, that was a real meta moment for me in Star Wars. I love that line. <laughs> yeah. And then I think I think that uh, things are a little bit lighter with Echo, but I do like that they uh, kind of, I think, clue us into where they're going with that great, you know, you are more machine than man, percentage-wise at least. And Echo says, lucky me. And we're reminded that that is an identity that he has to wrestle with. Oh, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Great moment there, too. Um, final thing for me is is I, in, in this idea of identity and, and choosing who you want to be, I thought one of the most powerful moments in the episode is when Omega is going through their home 
And the thing that she is moved by is finding just that hollow image of them posed as a group, Mm. as a family. And you can almost see her desire, her choice of like, this is my identity. I am one of them. I want to be with them. It's a really touching moment, I think. Really touching moment. I think that photo is also an M- NFT and could probably be sold a lot uh, right now. <laughs> Not no, I think, it, it, again, a lot of stuff with Omega. You're so right. And they have, they approach it with a different angle. But, you know, as, as an older Star Wars fan, you can say, hey, I've seen this before. The young kid, this is it's, it's a great just writing trick. Let's see the world through these new eyes. Um, that was one of the great moments and uh, combined with sitting down at the, at the lunch table of just like, no, I want this. I want to be part of that because I, I know I am, I feel I am. And maybe she has some knowledge that we're going to get that, that you were alluding to up top, but it, it worked on a real emotional level. Yeah, absolutely. And I think for me, that was the other big theme of this episode is that it wasn't just Omega. It wasn't just like, uh, we are, you know, action guys and okay, we'll take a kid along. There was so much in this that was about caring for the next generation um mm-hmm. obviously we will talk about uh the appearance of caleb doom uh but you know the episode really starts us with hunter's empathy uh toward caleb right yeah. um which then sets us up so omega is not just the first time in this episode that we or hunter are encountering this idea of caring for the next generation um the realization that there are children in saw's camp is the like okay we we can't we have to question this. We can't just start firing. Um, So I think there's this whole thread through this episode that uh, reminds us of this story that happens in Star Wars a lot, that even in the darkest times, youth represents hope. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 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 Uh, And yeah, the the next generation thing continues. It needs to be, it always needs to be a theme in Star Wars. It always needs to be present in every story to me. Yeah, absolutely, because it is the the thing that I think uh, supports a lot of the the ideas of uh, change is natural, <laughs> yeah. and you have to work with it. Uh, any other big ideas from this particular episode, or do you want to go on to talking about the the bigger picture Star Wars ideas? Well, th- I think this might trans transition it in because I think it really starts to connect into the, the bigger story and perspective of Star Wars. That I called it the cheap empire. You got this great Tarkin scene sitting down in the same chairs that Obi. I call it the Camino Conference Room. And, you know, basically it's, it's almost a, you know, just a, co- you know, well, it's just not cost effective for our new empire to have these clones and da, da, da. And, 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 you know, they're, they're going to go cheap stormtroopers and you can make all your, your jokes and, you know, Lama Sue's like, well, your and your recruits will not be as good as <laughs> you might as well just said, they'll miss their blaster shots. Oh yeah. We will talk about this when we get to the uh, connections Connect- to canon and lore. Yep. Yeah. But what I, what, what I pulled out of that and, and what ties into some of the bigger stuff in the episode is, is it's how you value those around you as well. We keep talking about loyalty and identity and, and the stuff with Omega, but it's how you value those uh, uh, around you. And the empire has never had any other goals in domination and oppression. And this is how they treat those that they claim to serve. Right. And, and we can, know the palpatine of it all but now just even on a base level and this is tarkin this is the guy tarkin camps tarkin initiative he's going to carry out a lot of the actual day-to-day logistics of the oppression of the empire so to see him just being like nah it's all cheap labor it's disposable foundations it, it ties into the bigger picture joseph of the empire was over before it began it just didn't know it <laughs> it just didn't know it it didn't yeah. care what it built on. It just was like, we're bu- we're building it our way. And, and and they didn't value anyone around you. And the rest of the episode is about valuing everyone around you. We're not going to, we're going back for Omega. We're not leaving Wrecker. We're valuing Caleb Doom. You know, it, it, that's, it, we're valuing Saw's citizens that he's standing with, you know, the, and, and, and there's the two sides of it. 
Yeah, no, I really like what you're saying. I think it is uh, a good contrast to uh, change and to valuing uh, the next generation because the perspective of the empire is, you know, flowing from Palpatine is uh, everything just belongs to me now and I don't care what I have to burn to do it, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it There's no part of Palpatine who's like, how can I sustain, except for his own life, <laughs> right? But like ravage every resource, grind down every soul to give me power now. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, you know, some of this is is not in the episode, but more pulling from like the Tarkin novel. I really like how Tarkin feeds into that as he's not an evil space wizard uh, yeah. who touches into the dark side of the, the this cosmic force like Palpatine. But he's somebody who I think represents the dark side in a very uh, real world way of this very cynical view of a zero sum game of he comes from this world of hunters where hunting is everything and you are either predator or prey, you're either winner or loser. Mm -hmm. And that is his view of the galaxy. That is his view of like, well, everything works better when there's this natural order and the people who are strong enough and bold enough to grab power grab it and everybody who didn't do that is less than of course they are yeah and there's a lot of that in this episode yeah yeah i love you tied in the lucino novel and all those that that's just, that's that's great stuff that was laid down in that uh novel on who the character is and i i think i i'm i, I i'm not saying it, i don't think it's too big of a leap some of the moments here some of the conversations we're having ties into these moments we've seen ties into saw's uh partisans later on and and ties into infus nest and the cloud riders who are like yeah they came they took they conquered they let the criminal underworld world grow grow so that they did that to us they destroyed Corellia. all those things you and i love about the under the under themes of, of solo are in this moment of tarka just going yeah i don't i don't care yeah we just we create absolute desperation everywhere we go because we think us the people in power we just need to do whatever is best for us right now for us to maintain power and for Tarkin, his version of order. And we will just, yeah, crush anyone. And just as a byproduct, just uh, turn the galaxy into a factory for misery <laughs> for everyone, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So I love that it was just like that, that brutal financial. I love that you point that out. Um, I love that we just get right off the bat of Tarkin being so horrible of like, uh, yeah, they're, they're really skilled, but that individuality, not great. Let's see if they'll obey me and just murder civilians without asking. Um, yeah. And the the spying with the probe droid and, and having that moment of like, well, the Jedi never did that was uh, great. I also like, I think another thing that shows the horror of the Empire is um, this slightly broader picture of Order 66 being a, a fundamental change in the clones, yeah. not just that one moment of, ah, oh, we got the orders, we'll kill the Jedi. Mm-hmm. But this episode really drives home this incredibly sad loss of humanity and individuality in the clones in general. It's one of the things that makes it feel like um, you can see how the, the Bad Batch maybe kind of always got teased or ostracized a little bit. Yeah. Uh, but for us, the viewers who are used to having so much humanity in the clones, mm-hmm. all of the the regs and the, uh, the Coruscant Guard shock troopers all of the humanity and the individuality of them is just gone, you know, and you get that even, even with shooting the, the like the fun droid, uh, uh Azzy, Azzy, um, Azzy three and all the numbers, uh, is a little shock. It didn't, you know, blow them up, but it was still, it was just like that. 
anything joyful, nah, we don't care about joy anymore. Yeah, it, it's really affecting. I was gonna say it was really effective to to just go through seven seasons, and you and I are still doing the Clone Wars rewatch to go through seven seasons of look at these individuals uh, in in a you know emerging from a cohesive. You're all the same unit, uh, and they make in the battle and the, the big questions about what defines them and how the war and all the all those wonderful things we dealt with, and have it wiped away so quick and and just it was real tragic to watch and and to see them now just all plain white armor uh attack of the clones action figure armor you know uh, yeah it, it was effective just to watch that the mindless cheering for palpatine yeah. that was you know painful and great yeah and i think all of the horror of the empire and tarkin's perspective is uh, there's this great contrast which with this big theme that i think is in star wars but i think the bad batch is it's really a, a concentrated version of it is i think star wars always goes out of its way to say that the individual is important. Your choices matter. There's nobody in the galaxy who doesn't matter. Individuals are important and your choice and your journeys are important. But also, we are all part of this large group and we need to help each other. We need to value the individual and we need to uh, value the group. Mm-hmm. And the Bad Batch is such a great little uh, micro version of that theme to me of they each have such a specific you know, skill sets. And when they're working well together, they know each other's skill set and it it allows the individual to be the individual, but it benefits the group. And we even see sort of Omega being um, ushered into that by being the one who is small enough to fit through the great, you know? Right. Uh, and I think we're going to see more of that theme going forward. And I think it's just such a contrast to the Tarkin Palpatine perspective of uh, we, the people in power, are important and everyone beneath us is a tool and a soldier uh, to fall in line or else. Yeah. And that's such a great contrast to a group like the Bad Batch who, who all say, like, I need to figure out my identity. I'm important as an individual, but I'm a part of this group. I'm a part of this family, and they're all just as important as me. So how can we all work together? Yeah, united for one cause. I think there's three things uh, that... Uh, um they all kind of fuel into what you're talking about here. And you, you mentioned the exchange crosshair Republic empire. What's the difference tech, the systematic termination of the Jedi is a big one for me, uh, which almost sounded like a, like a scrimshaw force center quote, by the way, I love that <laughs> moment. I, I wrote it down. There might be a reason I like tech. Yeah. But, but you know, but it's it, it, star Wars. I don't even, I guess modern, modern star Wars, but all star Wars, I think modern star Wars is just building on the, the thing George had in there that, that, no stormtroopers just having a day at the office because he got a job. At some point, you, you, you slipped. At some point, you, you a choice is in front of you. Star Wars is con- that's why you, you and I keep coming back to choice, 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 choice. And this episode, really, from that point of of ah, they're all the same. Star Wars makes a very strong decision on no, they're not. Um, and then you got the the, the connection uh, and all these. So that we see, like you said, this little small little microcosm is is the, the clone uh, clone force ninety nine connection. I think of Rise of Skywalker. There's more of us, Poe. There's more of us. We're going to need those connections of different people united for one cause. Deviant, not defective, comes up. That's why I love Omega sitting down with them. She sees them right away. You're not like everyone else here. You're different, like me. I'm connected to you. The rebellion is built on that. That's the rebellion. It's what you and I talk about. It's everyone. And we should watch Star Wars talks about different ships, different planets, different species. And, and then the faceless empire. And, and this, for this, we're two days into the new, into the new empire. 
you know, and we're, and we're dealing with these big themes and star Wars is like, no, there's a choice. What are you going to make? What's your choice going to be? Yeah, no, it, it's so great. And, and that scene with, uh, with saw really does emphasize everything you're saying. It, change is going to happen. Uh, that's something that, you know, star Wars often tells you, like, there's some things you can control. Some things you can't change is going to happen. We always have a choice of how you respond. And saw basically says that. And to your point, uh, when uh, uh, Hunter's like, well, okay, you're going to stand against uh, 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 Saw says the Clone War may have ended, but the Civil War is about to begin, mm-hmm. which is like, great. It's going to take a few years, Saw. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, but Hunter kind of challenges him, like, you were just this little ragtag group of people. And he's like, well, you know, not when we find more, you know? Yeah. I can't, I didn't write down the exact Saw quote, but he basically, you know, reaffirms what you're saying of mm-hmm. uh, we will, we will band together with others and then yeah. we will be a force to be reckoned with. Yeah, just gonna take a few years and Saw's gonna go through some things. But Yep, yep. He's already going he's already going through some things. You can hear it in his voice. <laughs> uh, great saw appearance. Any other thoughts on uh the big themes that uh reflect larger Star Wars themes? No, it's it's all it's all just tantalizing stuff that and that, that never never gets away from that core star Wars. And I think that's when that's what the modern era does so well. And this is, I'm excited about this. They're like, Hey, we're not just going to show you what it like, you know, the empire got new logos, you know, we're going to show you what that really means on, on an individual level. Yeah. Yeah. It really is for me. I think ultimately as a show, as they are taken off there and we're seeing the, the stars blur into hyperspace in Omega's eyes and uh, Wrecker, this big bruiser who thinks he lives only for blowing things up is happily cradling his <laughs> Tuca doll. Yeah. Uh, it is such a picture of light in the darkness, right? This is such a show about, oh, the curtain fell and the Empire is here and everything is going to get worse for everyone immediately. But there is still humor and humanity and light and hope within that. Totally. Excellent. We are going to take a quick break then and we'll be back to discuss a lot of the small moments, the action, the comedy, the whimsy, the canon and lore connections, uh, the controversies perhaps. We don't know yet, but we will be right back in a moment to find out. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full, important safety information, visit Juvederm.com. Ready to pop the question? 
The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50% to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare tri-term medical plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare tri-term medical plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health-monitoring litter that helps to detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, Four Center friends, make sure you're keeping up to date on all the great content from Jennifer Landa. Whether it's YouTube, Instagram, or TikTok, you whippersnappers, Four Center's own Jennifer Landa continues to bring you fun, informative, and insightful laughs and moments. Also, Jennifer brings her experience and perspective as a Star Wars-loving mother to her DIY projects, blogs, and more. So be sure to head on over to JennyLanda.com. That's J-E-N-I-L-A-N-D-A.com for articles like how to make your own Darth Maul sneakers or 10 unique Star Wars baby gift ideas. Follow Jen on Twitter and Instagram at JenniferLanda and on TikTok as JenniferLanda1138. And we 
we are back to finish our discussion of the first episode of The Bad Batch Aftermath. We always talk about favorite action moments, I think, with the fact that this is a team of very action-oriented clones. There's always going to be some great action. Ken, did you have some favorite action moments in this big premiere? So, yeah, I did. And there's a lot of action in this one, right? A lot of it. Mm-hmm. I didn't write down as many as I thought I would. I was focused on other things. And I've watched the episode almost three times at the time of this recording. So I'll just start. Uh, the, the Bad Batch intro. We'll get into the canon of it all, uh, of course. But the Bad yes. Batch intro, I, I wrote down is pretty legit. I know, pretty deep and insightful, <laughs> Joseph. But pretty legit, pretty over the top, which is what I would expect from the Bad Batch, what I would want from the Bad Batch. And then individually just showing it, it, it A-Team, G.I. Joe, whatever you want to say, superhero, Avengers, whatever. They all have their strengths. They all have their skills. And you get to see it. And it just was simple, basic just it worked and was effective uh on an overall and i i I start there and i really like that yeah the whole thing was great uh i was gonna write down uh, lots of individual beats but it is just that whole intro that does capture it's on the snow planet so it is a little literally brighter it captures some of the the fun that we've got to have as viewers watching these uh clone wars uh play out and it really is a great reintroduction to the the clones uh, in Clone Force 99 in their individual weird abilities. I, I love tech just kind of using his smaller stature and his tech to just be like, oh, oh excuse me, play something on you. Bye. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, one of the other images in particular I liked is it goes by very fast, but this is always a favorite of mine when it comes to action uh, is when Wrecker is hitting battle droids with other battle droids. <laughs> The ultimate insult in combat. I mean, just the big boulder rolling down the hill. I'm like, yeah, that's just that's just smart. That's just smart stuff. Yeah, yeah, just just quality, quality stuff. Um, moving on from there, uh, another favorite action moment for me uh, was I really liked Caleb kicking Crosshair <laughs> um, and knocking him out uh, against the tree. Yeah. yeah. Uh, we, I know we keep saying we'll talk about it, but we will, we will talk about Caleb in, in depth. Um, mm-hmm. But I really liked Crosshair in the Bad Batch uh, arc in Clone Wars Season 7. So yeah. right away when it was like, oh no, it, it was like, it, it broke my heart a little bit because I really liked the character. Uh, a lot of my favorite action moments are going to be Crosshair. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, but there's all, we've seen the horrors of Order 66 again and again, and there's always like a, a little bit of, uh, I don't know, uh, my Jedi loving heart is always happy for a moment where they successfully fight back a little bit. So oh. <laughs> seeing Caleb just kick him into a tree was like, uh, good. Oh, yeah. No, they had some oomph on it, too. When, when Crosshair hit the tree, you felt it. Snow, snow fell down like it was good. Oh yeah, there were there were little Tweety birds around his head. Yeah, for sure, he was knocked out. Uh, what are some other moments for you? Uh, I wrote that. So um, I talked about some of the episode. Uh, the ah, you know, maybe a couple minutes shorter here and there. I mean, again, feather of a complaint. But the trading sequence, I so I loved it because I just do love seeing characters, and particularly this group, just being inventive in a fight that you know they got to do something a little different it's kind of fun i, I kind of like that but it, it wrecker one point during the tr- training sequence says it's taking way too long and i went it is it is could you hurry up it's <laughs> one in, it's one in the morning wrecker but uh it was uh it just was fun i enjoy a good training sequence it reminds me of the old american gladiators <laughs> syndicated show in the late 80s where someone's up there with a tennis ball gun launching things down and you got to figure out a way to get around it and uh i just uh, i actually really did enjoy that especially in the second time around when maybe i was a little more awake 
Yeah, no, I, I'm totally with you. Um, uh, I really liked in that sequence, uh, I liked uh, Tech uh, reprogramming the training droid. Uh, exactly what you're saying. The spirit, it was fun to see the spirit of them. Is, this is what they can do when they're working together is come up with inventive uh, ways to not only succeed, but survive. And it, it worked really well that they did feel tension and that uh, that uh, Wrecker and Tech both got wounded. But I love Tech writing the, the reprogrammed training droid. <laughs> <laughs> it was fun. it was fun yeah yeah it's just one of those you know tech is such a great character of uh of I- intelligence uh in knowledge mattering uh but the fact that he can translate that into uh explosions and in shooting yeah i really liked uh perhaps my single favorite action moment in this episode is uh crossfire yelling dagger to wrecker wrecker throwing his dagger and crossfire shooting it into the droid's head that is just strip everything else away and just cool action. Yeah. Damn cool action. Yeah. I, I uh, hooted and hollered quietly because it was 1 a.m. Yeah. Uh, but I really love that moment. Uh, cro- crosshair. You said crossfire, but now I want. Oh, yeah, sorry. But crossfire, I think, drives the Jeep we haven't seen yet. <laughs> crosshair. My apologies <laughs> to this character I like for uh, calling them the wrong name. Uh, d- Issues of identity. Uh, yeah. yeah. Uh, um, no, no, I love that. I love that. And the, those are the little beats of the little things that, 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 that it's, it's just fun. You get to, you get to, uh, see them be inventive and, uh, you know, I'll tie into the big stuff. You know, the rebellion's going to have to be inventive to take down the empire. So yeah, it all kind of tracks. Well, and it's also like, I think for me, after years of, of having the thrill of watching lots of Star Wars, and in particular animated Star Wars, I really appreciate it when there is an effort to have those creative moments that you don't see coming. So it doesn't just turn into, oh, everybody's shooting at each other again. Cool. Yes, yes, uh, yes. And a little bit of the beginning of the training sequence, I had that like, okay, yeah, 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 for me, for me, this is me going, yes. And so I like when it kind of breaks off into something new. Yeah, yeah. Um, and going back to that mess hall fight, which was just kind of great and different because it had this sort of classic, almost Western barroom brawl vibe to it. Uh, I'll say uh, his name right this time. I really liked it when Crosshair was just trying to eat, but then did throw his <laughs> his tray and hit the clone. And like that, I like that he is a Mark's uh, person in all things. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. There's there's a lot of great action in that there, but uh, I, I'm going to talk about that whole sequence in comedy whimsy. But uh, great, good fighting, good fist fighting, good food throw is always a good bit of action. So I, I love that. Uh, and then for me also, there was just a lot of poster shots throughout this episode. You mentioned it, uh, and I wrote down the poster shots are kind of a non-action action. <laughs> They're like a good trading card. Uh, where you just like put like, oh, that that's a good swing on that guy. He's he's hitting a home run. I don't get to see it, but that card is full of action. <laughs> yeah, yeah, a lot of great stuff like that. Um, for me, my final action moment that I really liked is uh, Omega dropping uh, the great on the shock troopers. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. The shock troopers are very successfully uh, the the jerks of all clone troopers because they're so close to Palpatine and often doing things that are that we the audience don't want them to. Uh, and it was great to see. Uh, her have that moment of action even before the big uh, revelation of her being a great shot um, that I like yeah. that. It, it also just felt like it's another thing that tied her to them because it was about that creativity of uh, when she was initially on that great and it, it was going to give way. It was like an, Oh no, I'm going to be found out. And then she was like, Oh, Hey, wait, I can use this, you know? Yeah. So it was a great improvisational moment. Well, and her shot, uh, picking up the blaster and being good with it, uh, proves she is a clone of Duchess Satine. 
proves it. Yeah, yeah. Well, and there was even some stuff there. You know, we just watched some of the great Clone Wars episodes uh, that uh, uh, featured Clone 99, right? Mm -hmm. And uh, wrestling with that idea that all of the clones are fighters. They're born fighters. It's part of who Django was. That's a part of who they are. And there's a, a line earlier where Hunter is kind of saying to Omega, uh, Omega, that you are not, you're not trained. You're not a soldier. Right. And it really reminded me of those moments of, I think it's more to her because she's enhanced, but it reminded me that this is a part of the story of the clones of, you know, whether or not they're trained, they are all fighters at heart. Yes. Yes. Yeah. They like wrecking things. That's right. Let's wreck some moments. <laughs> Let's wreck some moments of uh, comedy, whimsy, and weirdness, unless you have any more action moments. No, no. Again, very action-packed episode, but uh, I was focused a little bit more on the comedy, whimsy, and, and canon connections. Yeah, there's a lot of comedy and whimsy, so let's go for it. Hit me with what you got, Ken. Uh, I'll hit you with my best shot. Uh, fire away. Uh, I, I asked this question to you, Joseph. Is this the last of our sad droid humor that you and I love so much? Because we got two, two or three great beats. I was, I was looking forward to this conversation, uh, the first <laughs> viewing. I think for me, out of all the moments, uh, was the hold your positions. Because the battle droids just have this great through line of yelling sad things is they're being thrown from a very high place to their inevitable destruction. <laughs> and that, and then there's this great runner. And again, on the Clone Wars report from season one, we've been tracking this and it gets a little less maybe as Clone Wars goes on, but to have it return, the runner of uh, uh, a droids um, getting promoted seconds <laughs> before their death. So the one who goes, I guess I'm in charge. now. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. I mean, it's enjoyable all by itself because it just it is what it is. That is the decision with these droids that they are deadly. They they kill people. It's awful. Uh, but they're also these just haphazard, uh, low programming victims of the war as well. They're just created to march out there and be <laughs> destroyed. And there's uh, that's always been their perspective. And they've always had this sense of uh, sometimes just wacky humor with them. And I think that was one of the very well done, very much on purpose things to make you feel like the first few minutes of this is another episode of the Clone Wars. Yeah, totally. Absolutely. But absolutely uh, great, great classic stuff. Uh, other moments of comedy and whimsy or weirdness uh, for you? There was, uh, I wrote down, it was, it's a general comment, but I, I, I remember going back to Clone Wars season seven, I, I identified with Wrecker and I'm not some super strong bruiser type but i'm just i'm some a little i'm sometimes a little slower and dense and just want to go roll up my sleeves and, and and do it um and so i love any moment where wrecker is like what basically to everything he's like, Wait, what and i just they repeated a few times and the thing about wrecker i'll say this um oh and there's another moment where record record is during the training sequence and he goes oh i felt that one i'm like that is me every day um <laughs> just uh, getting up in your back and your knees yeah literally um um, Wrecker is the type of character where this, you know, we got four, four episodes behind three or four episodes of him already. Right now we get this one. We're spending time with him. He, he does his thing with me 
where I love them. And then it, and then it starts to wear thin with me a little bit where I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I get, I get, I get a record. I love record, but I get it. And then, then it comes around where I'm like, oh man, it's the best thing ever. You know, how like sometimes that humor works like that. It's the Conan O'Brien theory of just keep jamming it down throats until people find it funny again. Um, but the me, ultimate uh, David Letterman, Uma Oprah yeah. debate of when he yeah. thought it would be a great bit at the opera, at the opera, at the Oscars. Did you say Uma, Oprah, Uma, Oprah? And uh, many people thought that was funny and many famously did not. Yeah. Not. And I, as a letterman, Mark thought it was. Um, but um, but again, after a while, after like the tenth time, um, and so, anyways, I could I could list a lot of record moments, but it comes down to that of just like you know, it goes from like I, I get it, he's a bruiser, the heart of gold, but he's just it works for me. It comes from the character, and that's why it will it will stand the test of time for me. Yeah, I think for me, my my record thought is with great power comes great responsibility, and there's mm-hmm. a temptation to use the same beats of humor with him too much. And it wasn't too much in this, mm-hmm. but I'm really fascinated to see how he develops. What I thought really worked about records humor in this is there was a little bit of a, you know, a straight person, a funny person, yeah. uh, kind of vaudeville setup knockdown. Record said some funny things all by himself, but a lot of what was funny about record is the things he said was funny but then often uh, Tech or Echo's response is what made it really funny. Right. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. They, they got some, they, this comedy thing, they got, they got some, it's, it's a buddy cop comedy all the way around. Yeah, like that moment where uh, they they come back from the training session and Wrecker's mad, like, do this to us. They used live ammo. <laughs> and then the response of, yes, we were all there. <laughs> I actually really enjoyed it because often, in, you know, we, we got some great, uh, you know, exposition from tech and everything. But like, um, man, I just, yeah, I thought that was a real fun meta moment of like, we get it. We get it, CO Bibble. <laughs> uh huh, and just like that—that's who who Wrecker is, and that this is their banter as a little family. Yeah. Um, one of the uh, other uh, Wrecker moments uh, that I really liked is in that moment we were getting to hear Palpatine's uh, famous speech that we as Star Wars fans know well, and he's saying the attempt on my life has left me scarred and deformed. <laughs> <laughs> and Wrecker says, "You can say that again." Uh, <laughs> It's not a hilarious joke, like by itself, but I don't think it is. It's not trying to be a, you know, a record is not Groucho Marx with like super witty comments. Right. But there was this like vibe of like, did did Star Wars just Mystery Science Theater 3000 Revenge of the Sith? That's what it felt like, you know, <laughs> a little bit of that. That just like if you could hear Wrecker's running commentary to any famous speech in Star Wars would be kind of fun. Ah, I love that. Ah, Sorry. Just riffin. Riffin Palpatine's declaration of the Empire. (laughs) Oh, man. What other moments uh, Um, do you have for comedy and whimsy? uh, So, yeah. Um. I'll, uh, AC3, there was one moment when he's like, you are different clones. I will leave you to process the shock or whatever the exact quote is. I didn't write it out. I thought that was real funny kind of droid humor uh not reading the room uh tech is a, there's a great moment of the plan wasn't a total failure and then they cut to omega with a i love a good awkward jack benny silent like <laughs> I, it worked for me uh but the big one i, I the food fight you mentioned i didn't want to i didn't i didn't want to undercut you talking about it in action joseph because it's full of yeah. a lot of great food action but this i the reason i really love the the food fight uh, um you know expected the the ghost of uh, john Bel- belushi to ha- hang over the scene here but 
we've got the, the, the shroud of the empire falls with this episode. Literally. You're so, uh, you know, uh, insightful to point that out and it's all there. And, and, and we love the themes and, and I'm not, you know, sometimes I'll say, uh, everyone wants their dark and gritty star Wars. You know, I, I enjoy a good dash of dark and gritty in my star Wars as well, but I love the reminder, the big reminder that it's star Wars. And we had a food fight, a bona fide. 1980s college comedy food fight <laughs> and it just i had fun with it and i was like it's great and would she when omega's standing on the table gonna throw whatever that like space potato had <laughs> like, like <laughs> everything about it and just wrecker standing up behind her and just kind of then the, the the downbeat and then all of a sudden boom hit with food again and, and it's a literal food fight in star wars i thought it just was one of those reminders of don't forget to have fun in star wars yeah, and that you can have fun and whimsy and weirdness at the same time as meaning. You know, it is. It's that that scene is totally about uh, their, you know, position in as this weird clone group that was probably not super accepted before and is really not accepted now. And there's even that moment of great horror within it. I think when mm-hmm. Echo looks up and sees Tarkin, you know, and if if you're remembering, that's the show reminds you later of like. It was trying to save this guy that got Echo uh, yeah. horribly, horribly injured and captured and tortured. And uh, that the fact that Star Wars can take these big swings and like you're saying, going, yeah, it's a food fight because why not? Uh, and then it's just a total lunchroom brawl, not a barroom brawl, a lunchroom brawl. It- and then within that still have like meaning and then switch quickly to true kind of character horror. Yeah, yeah, no, it is, and, and, and it's a barroom brawl too. It, I, I get into a lot of barroom ba- brawls on Red Dead Redemption too, whether I want to or not. Uh, <laughs> it has that kind of like boom, boom. Uh oh, hell breaks loose. It ha- it has the vibe. It has the beat to it. You know. Yeah, absolutely. Um, one of my other favorite moments of comedy that I like. There are a lot of great tech lines. Uh, so I didn't write them all down because there are too many. Uh, but talking about how they weren't super respected or liked uh, by the regs, uh, as they call them, by the regular clones, uh, when they first get back to Camino and, and everybody's like, there's something different. And the tech being true to himself of like, okay, I'll analyze the data and find out. And so he tries to, you know, ask one of the troopers, uh, you know, what unit they're with. And the trooper just says, step aside. And then uh, tech says, well, well, they seem the same to me. <laughs> <laughs> they've always been rude to me and <laughs> push me around everything's fine tech tech's gonna be a superstar i'll tell you what man uh i love that moment there's uh, i think when uh, caleb doom is in doing the uh, introduction uh for all of us and depa balaba uh when when, it, when he goes and tech and tech's like looking down on his ipad and just is kind of like hey just like barely <laughs> just, like, yeah, I've been there. i'm busy with data yeah <laughs> Uh, one other moment for me is cause I love that. It's just a little like, this is how they are or how they were before all this horror started when they first get home and they're kind of having a serious debate about the nature of their mission and what's going on. And Wrecker doesn't get that. That's what, what's happening. Mm-hmm. And he picks up that Tuka doll and he's just kind of playfully hitting crosshair in the face with the Tuka doll. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't fully, I was so immersed in the conversation, the emerging conflict between Hunter and mm-hmm. Crosshair that I didn't fully appreciate it. And then I watched it, when I watched it the second time, I was like, that's so great. Of That's what it's like to live with a guy like Wrecker, who's just like always upward energy of like, ah, I'm going to hit you in the face of my Tuka doll. Why? I don't know. Because I can. Which, which is so fun. I, I mean, I, I am... I am not like that. I identify the record in a lot of ways. I'm not like that, but I still just, I just, there's something about his energy. It's working for me. Yeah, I think maybe it is relatable to one of those things that, you know, we, we aren't 
many of us are not always that way, but many of us have moments that way where we're in a group and we feel like we're, we're the one who's excited, yeah. <laughs> just wants to do the next thing. And then we kind of got to take the temperature of the group. Uh, and there's something really cathartic about watching Wrecker never taking the temperature of the group. This is also me describing this first episode of Bad Batch to Grace. And then, and then, and then you go there. And then, ah, and, okay. <laughs> well, yeah. That sounds like funny, fun, funny. <laughs> Saw Guerrero, but he's younger. Yeah. Uh, any other moments of comedy, whimsy or weirdness? No, other than I, I was really, uh, uh, very happy with the amount of uh, comedy versus amount of uh, dark and gritty. Good balance. Yeah, yeah. I think it worked really, really well. A great balance. So let's move on then to uh, connections to canon, uh, lore, and other Star Wars stories. I think the big place to start is maybe what uh, this little uh, Rebels cameo uh, of seeing <laughs> Caleb Doom, uh, the Jedi who would become Kanan Jarrus of Rebels fame. Uh, how did you feel just about seeing him ken were you like me where as soon as you realized it was a depa balaba you're like oh here we go mm-hmm. yeah i i like it a lot and um I, you know i i'm very very familiar with the canon comic if, if no one's ever read that canon comic series which was first published in what late 2014 early 2015 it, 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 it at times plays like a prequel to uh rebels and, and a continuation a little bit of of uh, Kanan's own story. Um, I was, I'm very familiar with that. I love it. I love that. I've always loved that sequence. And so I, I went like this. I was like, Oh my gosh, this is a great place. Oh wait, how true are they going to stay to this? And the answer was eh, kind of true. <laughs> and, yeah. I, I, I pulled it out and flipped through, I believe it's the second issue. Yeah. Of yeah, yeah, yeah. The yeah, run. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and I just kind of flipped through it. I didn't have time to reread it in its entirety, but I just flipped through it quickly to see like, Oh, is this one of those kind of moments where, oh, this part of the story could be happening off to the side and, and we didn't see it. And you're like, no, no, this is this this is very similar to some stuff that's happened uh, with uh, Ahsoka versus Maul um, or with uh, Cobb Vanth in The Mandalorian of the spirit's the same. The details are not. Yeah, the spirit and there and I would even say in, in these comparisons, there's a lot of the beats are the same same plan exactly same thing chasing the forest um you know it's it's uh the squad there's the the specific squad that depa has around her like it's even I, and i and i did what you did too like let me let me go because when i watched it the first time i was like wow they completely changed that then i read it i was like well they didn't completely change it it's just like you said you can only take the head cannon so far it's two different versions of the same story yeah, and you're right. You're right to say that like it's the same planet. I think the emotional beats between uh, Caleb and, and Depa are are very very similar. Uh, it's just that you couldn't look at that comic and go, "Oh, the Bad Batch is just off frame." And this right. is, you know, so I think for me, this is a good chance for for you and I to touch base on this conversation that we've we've now had a couple times. Sure. That it does seem like uh, the current Star Wars canon is uh, the the screen reigns supreme and there might be little changes to books and, and comics. Yeah. Are you, do you agree with that? Are you okay with that? What is, where are you at with all that? Yeah. I, I, and I, yeah, I, I, at the end of the day, I'm always going to say the shows and the movies should get the final say. Uh, I think it's just the way to approach it. And this version, I, I really like the campfire nighttime version in the comics series. I really do. And it's very impactful. Um, but this one is very cinematic. Uh, it adds to the legend of, of, of Caleb Doom, Canon Jarrus, Canon Jarrus, and I think a more effective way for me. 
Um, so I think I'm always going to side on that. I really am. I want them to tell their story. Um, but I can't deny that uh, sometimes now, particularly with the comics, like I, I'm trying to catch up with the comics right now, and I'm not into them as much as I used to be. And this isn't the reason, but in the back of my head, I'm kind of like, if there's a plot point in the comic that I don't fully agree with or enjoy as much as other people, I feel I don't have to. <laughs> it's just there in the comics. Yeah, I think the way I'm really feeling about the comics and the books and and really lots of Star Wars storytelling is I really do like embracing that perspective of these stories are being told to us and we don't always know the narrators. I've always felt that way about Star Wars. It starts with that crawl, which makes it feel like a storybook. It's something that happened a long time ago, and this is the record of those events. And just like real-world myths that... uh, you know, sometimes events will stay the same, but as myths evolve, the the meaning or the lesson of them will change. Or the other way around, the the lesson of the myth will stay the same, but the events will change a little bit. And it feels to me like that is a, a part of the nature of Star Wars, that these are fables. Mm. And so you, when you run into something like this, or like Cobb Vanth, or Ahsoka's a showdown with Maul, where like the heart of it is exactly the same. Yeah, It's just these little details then it makes it feel like uh, these events happened, but through the mists of time, there's sometimes slightly different spins on the story uh, from different tellers. Yeah. I, yeah. I think that's a way to approach it to, to let, um, to let go of the canon reins a little bit. And I believe me, I am a canon junkie too. I mean, uh, you know, we're friends with Alex Damon and Molly Damon simply because, you know, I used to watch all their videos to be like, okay, what happened? Now? What? And that's how that's, you know, I, I respect, the canon, uh, I, I just, you know, Depa Balaba's lightsaber is different now in this versus the comic and everything. And I don't know why, you know, this one, you couldn't make it green. I don't know. I don't have that answer. I just, it's, it's been a good challenge over the years. And I got to tell you, I think Last Jedi was a big change point for me where it was like, I'm not worried about whose staff that is. I'm not worried about what that, you know, compass from Pilio means. It's just there. And if they need it's to, fun. they'll get to it. And, and it's the themes and it's the heart of the story. Yeah, and I think that's it for me is I am a huge canon junkie. I love uh, memorizing things and knowing things. It it, it, uh, it it gives me, you know, joy. It makes me feel immersed in the thing. Yep. And I don't think there's ever been a time where Star Wars has changed a detail that is, you know, fundamental and, and changed, like, the storytelling for me, you know, yeah. in, in a way that is like, ooh, that undermines the story. They always look. The biggest ones are from Lucas, as we know. So, um, but they, yeah, they, you're you're right. There isn't like, you know, to me, this if if uh, you know, record kills Debbie that changes everything fundamentally. If Crosshair did it, changes everything fundamentally. It's not. It's the same beat. It's the same spirit, and the story quite literally rolls on. Yeah, and and even things with like some of the famous Lucas stuff that doesn't, you know, on first uh, glance entirely line up. Some of it almost becomes, to me, more intriguing. Like the classic debate about, you know, Leia in Return of the Jedi remembering Padme and then Padme, you know, dying, uh, and you know, Leia not even being uh, born before Luke. (laughs) Yeah, Uh, to even cling to that, and then it's it's really emerged in in headcanon, and now it's starting to pop up in different uh, written things of. Leia's intuitive to the Force, and and she does remember that image of Padme, but through the Force. And the feeling of that, mm-hmm. of that kind of new version of that story, is the feeling I got when I watched Return of the Jedi as a kid of, 
this woman only has the mistiest, this woman being Leia, only has the mistiest memories of her mother. Just an image, you know? Yeah. And like, okay, you could get pedantic about the details, but to me, that's a great example of the spirit didn't change. In some ways, the spirit was enhanced. I actually think it was. And you and I just did that review of, uh, you know, the Clone Wars episode uh, uh, with Padme on Alderaan, where she's on the balcony. And Padme is sad and affected and uh, still, uh, you know, uh, beautiful and powerful in her own way. And it's like that essence could hang around there <laughs> for, for Leia to pick up on. Why not? It's yeah. Of course. Yeah, exactly. Um, another thing I wanted to talk about this is kind of the why of the choices of, I think it's interesting for me if they looked at this and said, ah, oh, this would be, we, we know we want to have the Bad Batch in the moment of Order 66 for that to be most impactful. They should be uh, around Jedi. Uh, hey, we really want to build this picture of Hunter even before we introduce uh, Omega uh, that he has a natural empathy towards young people. Okay, so let's pair him with a Padawan, mm. you know? And I love that moment of, hey, kid, are you ready for this? We move fast. And uh, that great delivery uh, uh, from Caleb of, good, that's the only way I know. Yeah, <laughs> You know, it's a fun moment. It's a, it's, a, it's a bonding moment that builds it. So if you're from a writer perspective going, this is what we want. We want to establish some fun and some camaraderie, specifically between Hunter in a Padawan before it all goes south, that's going to help us uh, tell this tragic tale and it's going to set Hunter up for his relationship with Omega. Then you have that question of, do you invent another Padawan or do you make it Caleb? And for me, it has, you know, extra power because the audience already has a relationship with Caleb. Yeah, that that kind of uh, lore connection works, um, which, by the way, at one point, Kanan was a completely original character. Uh, lore connection only goes so far with me because by that logic, in Rebels, it could have been Quinlan Boss or Kit Fisto instead of Kanan Jarrus. Um, but I think it, it works really well. It, it, it's very effective here. It's it's it's, um, And to a lot of people, guess what? This probably is a new Padawan. <laughs> So, um, no, and it just really worked. And, and you're saying a lot of great stuff about just the writing process and creative process. And um, I can make uh, we we can make references or jokes to hashtag uh, Filoni Canon, which um, uh, seems to pop up uh, time and time again. But I think at the end of the day, I I just I just I'm not you know I would say unless you're rooting for Palpatine, there's there's not a wrong way to watch Star Wars, right? Um, but this is why I enjoy not watching Star Wars for the beat by beat, plot point by plot point, lore connections, predictions. I'm here for the fable and the myth and how it means, uh, how it affects it and what it means to my life. Yeah, great, great stuff. I got one more question for you on this uh, Caleb Doom, Kanan Jarrus thing. As a fan of Rebels, does this enrich his journey for you? The fact that it's not. You know, you, you read it in a comic, but now you saw it and you, you got to hear it in his voice, the pain of you killed her. Does this, uh, when, you, when you're going to go back and watch Rebels, will it be different because you, you have this in your soul now? I actually think it will. And, and the comic, again, that's a great read. If no one's checked it out, check it out. It is a great series. Um, but yeah, this is, and have uh, Freddie Prince Jr. come in and do the voice, and I think he, he's just such, such a command of of Kanan and what he wants to do with that character and what they want to do with that character. I actually got to tell you, yeah, I think it works really effectively. I think you'll have this in the back of your head anytime you see uh, Kanan uh, uh, conflicted on Rebels or uh, worried about the past or stuck in the past or all those kind of things he dealt with. 
yeah, those early episodes where he does not have faith that he can train Ezra will, you know, yeah. will hit harder, I think, for me. Yep. Yep. Uh, and not that it isn't there in the comic, and I agree with you, that comic is, is great and worth a revisit. Uh, all right, let's then, unless you got any more Caleb thoughts, let's move on to some other canon and lore connections. No, go for it. Uh, I, this was just a fun one because it's something that Star Wars fans discuss a, a bunch as well as a great character and comedy moment of when uh, Wrecker's wondering how long it is since they've been home to Camino, and Tex gives him the precise answer of 180 rotations in a standard cycle, but galactic zone changes put the adjusted figure at around 205. And then the follow-up of like, what? It's a long time, Wrecker. <laughs> That's right. Um, there's so much discussion about this of like, how does time actually work? We know that, you know, like Wikipedia will tell you exactly how long a day is uh, mm. on different planets, right? And we know it doesn't match up, but it's like, how does that work? It was fun to hear. Oh, just that tiny bit of like, yeah, no, there's galactic zone changes, there's standard cycles, there's ways that we could have a kind of group time while acknowledging individual time. It's actually like writing Star Wars. Just keep to the spirit of time. <laughs> exactly. How did you feel about hearing some technical time stuff? I felt like record. What? <laughs> <laughs> it's been a long time. Yeah. yeah. Uh, all right. A couple other things. Um, obviously, there's a ton of characters that we know, but I thought it was really great use of the shock troopers, the Coruscant guard. Mm -hmm. um, if you didn't, don't really know them or follow them or go, ooh, red troops, uh, there are troopers that have some red uh, that it's called out of, like, why are the guards that are supposed to be on Coruscant here? But for me, I think it, it hit nice and hard since through the Clone Wars, we've watched them, you know, hunt Ahsoka and things like that. Uh, so we know them to be the ones close uh, to Palpatine and the ones really willing to do um, not great things. Yeah, absolutely. And and uh, we see them a lot. We see them in some of the Vader comics too, or in early runs there when the clones are still uh, in the Empire. Yeah, I, I like the use. And, and just a good reference, just why are they here? And it's like, well, you know, things aren't good. Yeah, exactly. Uh, let's talk about a thing that you brought up already, but I really want to dive into Tarkin in a spoon chair debating clones versus stormtroopers with Lama Sue. That I mean, can you imagine uh, walking out of the theater in 2002 from Attack of the Clones and saying Tarkin from the original trilogy is going to be sitting in one of these spoon chairs <laughs> with Lama Sue talking about which is better? Clones or stormtroopers? I, I here's the thing. In 2002, to that moment describing, I would have been like, "That's horrible." In the back of my head, I would have been like, "But I kind of liked it." When can I admit that I did? Um, <laughs> it really connects things. It really does. It it it, it validates the the prequels as being part of the Star Wars story. I just I just uh, had an off camera conversation with someone uh, over the Good People Association, and they're like, "Yeah, yeah, I don't really watch Star Wars. I, you know, I hear I hear you're not supposed to watch the prequels." I was like, "The hell you aren't." <laughs> uh yeah yeah watch them uh and i know you know again again we know we know we know but like it, it just it just it's 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 2021 and we're seeing that and it and it just makes me excited uh that we're that we are seeing it and and lama Sue's uh, i always thought was a great character mesmerizing voice uh, mm -hmm. and, it, and it just worked and it was just fun and you could you know you can almost see kenobi going that's why i'm here <laughs> yeah i think it was affecting to me because i always like it when when the storytelling you know overlaps and and i think for many people probably who grew up with the uh prequel trilogy and and you know maybe didn't grow up around as much of the squabbling about it and the very heated opinions of you know that's you know 
before there were hashtags, there was a lot of hashtag that's not my Star Wars. Uh, so it's always gratifying. But I think there's something extra powerful about it because Tarkin is such a symbol of the original trilogy. Yeah. And, you know, as it was originally done in Attack the Clones is, you know, bright white CGI-ish weird soup ladle uh, mm-hmm. bright scene was so uh, such a symbol of the prequels. So to me, it's not just these characters, not just the timeline catching up, but it is symbol of that's the original trilogy talking to the prequel trilogy about the transition between the two. Yes. Yes. No, you did wonderfully met a moment, right? Literally. literally. And, and you, you and I have talked about, and we've joked for years of, you know, Palpatine's like, great, put, let's pick out those gray uniforms. Let's switch. Oh, and there's, a, you know, get HR. Everyone signed some new paperwork and join the new company. Like, we've made those kind of jokes. But this is like we we literally saw the conversation. It is literally transition. And, I, and I'm going to probably revisit that scene a few times. Yeah, uh, I did rewind on that one because I just needed to see it again. Here's the dialogue that you were talking about in specific. Uh, um, Su is saying that, well, your new empire is going to need clones to maintain order. And Tarkin says, indeed, a service conscription so- uh, soldiers can provide at half the cost. A service conscription soldiers can provide at half the cost. And Lamasu says, the skill level and efficiency of our clones is far superior to that of any recruited body, which that is just stormtroopers versus clone troopers mm-hmm. <laughs> one is better the other is cheaper and the other the stormtroopers in the conscription has the value of forcing people to ally themselves with the empire mm-hmm. yeah yeah and you and i've always kind of you know tired of the uh, stormtroopers shooting miss jokes uh, uh you know i like i like it every now and then but uh, to have it now it's like no that's not just a joke it's it's a it's a point it's a part of the picture of why the empire fell it goes to this moment now yeah yeah we'll just overwhelm people with a bunch of citizens that we've kind of forced into armor Mm -hmm. uh or some people i'm sure a volunteer but you know uh and we won't train them that well and we'll just throw them out there versus having this elite squad that's about quality yeah 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 great stuff any other thoughts on that scene uh no other than uh you know we definitely need that play set too oh lord yes yes um Nala Se, uh, the scientist uh, on Camino, uh, she has appeared throughout the Clone Wars. She's in the Malevolence arc. Uh, she is in briefly in the Brainworms arc. Uh, she is in the arc where Fives discovers the inhibitor chip problem uh, and is uh, a part of covering that up. She knew about Order sixty six, and now we are seeing yet another side of Nala Se, where uh, Omega seems to be uh, her ward. Uh, that she is specifically watching over, and she made that real active choice to help Clone Force ninety nine escape. How did you feel about seeing this character again? Any thoughts on on what's going on there? Uh, yeah, first just seeing the character again. Yeah, great, uh, great expanding the the Clone Wars kind of world and and um, having fun with that. But as far as what it means, I, I I it was deliciously intriguing, and and Lama Sue is playing this like we don't. You know, which I understand from from their point of view at this point of just we don't understand. Let, let's wait to see what the empire ends up doing. <laughs> mm-hmm. see. And because um, he asked her the question is literally, you know, about the, uh, the the work on Crosshair. Yeah, the work's good. But, you know, also, by the way, I, I let everyone go. <laughs> like, um, <laughs> yeah, I, I like it. I, I, and I, I've already seen some people, including our force in our discord, but I've seen some thoughts online of uh Man, uh, get ready, Camino. Look at Geonosis. Uh, you might, uh, you might go go the same way. And I, I really love Camino. Uh, it's also probably why you and I love 
decks <laughs> and deck diner and just the history there. It's a beautiful uh, planet and I love it. So yeah, I do have some fear and I do have some fear because of like this, if they can trace it back to any kind of actions that uh, affected the empire. Yeah. I, I'm really excited to see not only Bad Batch go out into the galaxy and try to get by, but to really see the fate of Camino. And I did like that. It felt like, that there was not a button on the story of Camino. It felt, in, in fact, the entire opposite, that there was an ellipsis of like, yes, we'll see what the Empire does, dot, dot, dot. Yeah. Yeah, well, yeah, look, man, is, uh, you know, um, uh, choices, you know, and it seems like Camino in general might be making a choice real soon. Yeah, yeah. And in fact, uh, I wanted to go back to that Tarkin beat for just a moment because I think this is something that you were talking about before about the Empire. One of the other beats I liked in there is... As much as Palpatine is this dark wizard who you know, shrouded the light side in the dark so the Jedi couldn't see what was happening, he also like is really uh, practical and pragmatic, you know, took over the banks, uh, took over all the executive functions of the of the Senate, all these things that are very just like kind of practical and awful. And I love that Tarkin continues that by, well, the Republic had a contract with you, but we changed our name. And yeah. <laughs> To, yeah. to see Tarkin basically doing something that you feel like a bank manager would do to you. Yes. Like, well, actually, the money you're supposed to have in your account, uh, we changed, you know, you changed your middle initial. So that money's ours now. Like, it was such an asshole move and so perfect. Yeah. No, I, you know, as, as, as someone who watched his uh, uncle, who I worked for him at the time, lose his job when a contract switch, when the new employers were like, well, I know we said we were going to hire you, but we never signed the deal. We're a different company. So <laughs> just <laughs> sad. Yeah. Great stuff. Great stuff. Uh, moving on then to Saw Guerrero. Yeah. This is, we've gotten to see Saw Guerrero at many moments in life. Uh, how did you feel about seeing him here? His, uh, his physical state, his mental state, uh, what he had to contribute to the story. What are your Saw thoughts? Uh, a lot of Saw thoughts. And I always do have a lot of Saw thoughts. I, I, I've unabashedly just love Saw Guerrero. love Stila Guerrero. I love the lessons there. I love what, uh, you know, what ends up happening and, and to to see uh, saw back and used again almost exactly as we kind of all thought not just you you me here forsetter but i think just any any star wars fan kind of plugged in and goes oh saw he's going to be asking some tough choices uh, questions um it was very effective um and it's also it's i'm not saying this is necessarily was put in there or it's in the episode but if you're familiar with the story of saw especially in rebel rising beth ravis like very interesting to see the Bad Batch stop short of doing their, quote, duty or they're following the orders because of children or innocence. And Saw is kind of like, yeah, yeah, it makes you think, right? What else are they lying about? And we know what happens with Saw. A little bit later on, he kind of makes that choice uh, to maybe in the name of taking out the uh, – in the cause of taking out the Empire, make some controversial decisions on who's in the way. And I, I, I don't have a super comment on that. It's just – I, the, the, how how much Saw loses himself for the sake of the cause. And, and by the way, it's a good cause. Just that's why I love Saw. He always makes me think. He always asks questions about what is the nature of this rebellion? How can you go too far? Can you consider it too far? 
um, and to see where he's he's breaking. He's starting to you know starting to come become the saw we we meet later on in these moments, and he's already got a lot of weight and a lot of death in his life, and the loss of steel is tremendously important and sad. So, anyways, I, a lot of saw thoughts to answer your question. <laughs> yeah, no, I love everything you're saying. I love that moment. Uh, Tech did not pop up and explain to us uh, that saw is talking about uh, Stila, mm-hmm. his sister, but like th- there's a nice heavy moment of you know we've already lost too much, you know in what we fought for uh, to, to stop fighting now and that you could feel the weight of that loss for him personally. Yeah. And I love what you're saying of saw is always, I think to me going to be this symbol of uh, war slowly does eat at you. Even if you're really fighting for a good cause, right? Yeah. He's so tied to Anakin Vader, you know, the fact that he was trained in this, you know, rightful, uh, not even rebelling of just like reclaiming his planet initially yeah. uh, during the clone wars. And then that he's the one who has this vision of like, yeah, no, it's, it, look at their actions. Don't look at their propaganda. Don't look at their name change. Mm. Palpatine wiped out the Jedi and it has total control of the, the clones. He has total control of the galaxy, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and he sees everything truthfully, but I love what you're saying then is he, marches on and on he gets more wounded physically and emotionally even though at his core he's still trying to hold on to the the hope hold on to the light yeah yeah again yeah uh, i i would love a super cut of uh, all of saw's moments including fallen order where he he has a great appearance but even that is his partisans are already starting to kind of question him and uh, i love every i love so i love seeing and I, 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 I hope i hope we see more i really do yeah, that scene was just one of the most beautiful to me of him very specifically giving that, you know, uh, times change and you can choose to adapt or just, you know, blindly go along with them. And the uh, great sort of image for both Saw and uh, the Bad Batch and the galaxy of him turning out that light and them just all being there in the dark and Saw like, uh, I've still got the light. Yeah. I and my people are going to go take it with me and you're going to be here in the dark uh, and and we'll see what happens to Saw's life. Yeah, we'll see. We'll see if he says those words, times change, targets change to himself a little bit later on. I, I think sadly he does. Yes. All right. Uh, there's also a probe droid. I, I wrote that. Yeah. I think everybody saw that. Everyone saw that one. Yeah. Easter eggs. Probe droid as seen probe in Star Wars. <laughs> but I did like it uh, because it was it, it was one of the many things that added to the Empire is here now, period. That's the probe droid, you know? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, I'm sure there's going to be lots of discussion of who's their pal on J-19. Do you have uh, feelings about that? Um, I, yeah, I think, and I, I want to I make sure I give proper credit to our buddy, Alex Damon. I was watching some of his stuff. Uh, J-19, uh, Salukamai, uh, cut, uh, or, or clone that... Uh, uh, desserts, desserts early on and has that uh, interaction with Rex. That's that's a good, good thought or a good bet that that's uh, that's maybe where they're headed. Interesting. Interesting. Um, yeah, I think uh, for me, uh, yeah, that tracks with I had looked up J-19 on uh, old Wikipedia. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I also just wondered if the person they're thinking of is, is Rex and, you know, yeah. do they know that did Rex go to cut? And- yeah. Sorry, sorry. Yeah, no, sorry. I'm cutting you up. Uh, yeah, yeah. I, 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 I still, I kind of, I kind of hope. I just, just, just do it right now. Just give me Rex. I don't want to wait for Rex to season two. Just give me Rex. <laughs> just give us Rex right now. Uh, and I believe he is in the trailer. So, uh, right. we'll, I think we'll be getting to him soon. So, uh, I and I did like just kind of classic Star Wars of. Do you have friends? And like, not many. <laughs> 
<laughs> Great stuff. Uh, anything else in terms of canon or lore that you wanted to discuss? Tiny things, uh, you know, seeing clone babies, very cute, but also just to see, to see, you know, we've seen clones at all levels to actually just see, you know, a, a focused close-up shot on the clone babies. Uh, it was, uh, I like, I like, I don't know. It's weird to say I like that, but I just, it was a good, it was an interesting moment for me. Um, I liked it. And I thought it, it emphasized this, you know, theme throughout about the youth and the next generation and kind of the horror of Tarkin being like, yeah, no, shut it down. Like, no. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, and then for what it's worth, we mentioned it up top, but like for what it's worth, I, uh, enjoy seeing different versions of the safe and secure society speech. <laughs> remix that i want it to a dance beat yeah 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 so there you go. yeah it release the entire speech with uh wreckers a uh, riff track yes <laughs> yes uh all right moving on then to anything we disliked or questioned uh no no i thought this was a really solid pilot man this is a really great start to a, a, a series i've mentioned some of the you know, length, but I, I think you're right. Even now that I think about it, like, you know, taking maybe three episodes, cutting some spots here and there and making a, make it a one uh, debut pilot. And I, I I'm on board for that. So in terms of that, uh, anything in terms of the writing or the presentation, I, I was on board for this episode. This is a real, real fun episode for me. Yeah, absolutely. And just to be clear, it's just uh, conjecture on, on our part. Right. Uh, I have no idea if this was always planned is a 70 minute thing. Yeah. Um, but I thought, yeah, I thought it really worked. I really appreciated getting them all the way out to launching into space and looking looking for their friends rather than waiting, you know, several weeks to kind of get to that's the kickoff right. uh, point of the ongoing show. I think the only thing that I um, questioned is more like hope for because I, I was I was questioning it as the episode was going on. I think that Echo got a little uh, a little bit less than the other clones. Totally. Um, I think we really highlighted uh, the other clones abilities on the battlefield. And we kind of didn't see that as much with echo of like how his individuality gives him power. Um, And we got the kind of hint of what he's going to be wrestling with in the future of that famous Vader machine or man. And, and uh, I like where that seemed to be going, where that's been presented to us in the past in star Wars from, Obi-Wan's perspective of like, yeah, he's lost his humanity because of all of these wounds of war. He's just become a walking war wound. Uh, and, and there can be this question of, are we saying that, you know, a machinery inherently makes you lose your humanity or is it more that it is a, a, a scar of war and then you choose how you respond to that? And I liked what it felt like it, it was setting up with echo of like, yeah, no, I'm, I've literally lost a lot of my actual, body uh but i'm still deciding who i am like there's no sense of echoes about to turn vader or even turn later saw Gerrera, where he's making questionable decisions so i feel like some really interesting stuff was set up with echo and i'm really hoping that uh, we get some echo spotlights in the future episodes echo spotlights i, I think it's a great band and, and i'd hope for it too yeah and you're right you definitely you could tell and, and even the fact that he was like not one of the five altered clones and omega being the other one yeah justice yeah for one and, way Justice for Echo, on the way, on the way. Uh, that was the only thing I really questioned uh, as we were, as I was watching it. Is there anything that we have not talked about that you wanted to touch on, Ken? I'll tell you what, I'll never tire of characters seeing hyperspace for the first time. I thought this one was nicely done, and we've seen the beats before in Star Wars. I, it just works for me every time, because, uh, you know, I I still feel the same way myself. <laughs> 
Uh, you know, honestly, uh, I have talked about before, I think I, I made an early attachment to uh, freeways is, is the place where the world opens up and adventure happens because at a very young age, we drove in a U-Haul across country uh, from Minnesota to Portland. Uh, so I think I have a little bit of that. That's what it feels like to me. Yeah. Of, you know, the road is open before you. And yeah, seeing the, the blur of hyperspace in Omega's eyes was great. Yeah, uh, absolutely. Beautiful. Uh, two things for me that I just wanted to shout out. Uh, you know, I, the music is always great. Great to have Kevin Kiner back. Uh, did some great, like, just kind of militaristic drum stuff that's been in the Clone Wars before, uh, but a different spin on that. But in particular, what really jumped out to me is during that kind of final uh, standoff with, with Crosshair, uh, having had his choices taken away and being being a threat to the the hope in the future of the rest of the Bad Batch. There's a lot of this. this it's tense, but it's quiet and it's sad. That music, you know, it, it's not asking you to celebrate. This is an action sequence. It's sad that this is happening, and the music does a great job of of making us feel it. Yeah, and same up top with the Order sixty six. It, it it invoked the Order sixty six sequence. It was the same kind of you know tone sounds everything. It, it, yeah, obviously Kiner is great at what he does. Happy to have him back. Uh, and uh, yeah, good, good, good shout out moment there too at the end. Uh, final thing for me is we talked a lot about all, all the various gorgeous shots. Uh, the one that really I thought was amazing was uh, Hunter and uh, Caleb, a future Kanan across that uh, chasm of that waterfall, mm -hmm. you know, seeing it was, it was just one of those moments of like, yeah, the waterfall is extremely well rendered. It's beautiful. But seeing uh, sad Caleb with his head kind of hanging down, facing away, lightsaber still ignited and seeing Hunter all the way on the other side and knowing that Hunter wants to help him. And so believing why, why poor traumatized Caleb can't possibly trust that. And just feeling that all in this one beautiful image is like, great that's that's visual storytelling yeah and that's why in the end i think that this version i'm i'm really really happy with it almost so to the point of uh, nothing against the comic or taken away from the comic uh but yeah it really worked for me on a lot of levels and that was one of them excellent all right so here is our final question uh, we do this on the clone wars report and we're going to do it here on the bad batch report ken if you could have a figure or any other toy uh from this episode uh, who or what do you want we need to we need the lula plush sell that at uh, galaxy's edge uh you know loved by wrecker now loved by you get the lula tuka plush uh to take home um but we need a and i think it worked best as three and three quarters we do need the food fight playset. <laughs> Uh, excellent. Is this just contain a bunch of figures and uh, little uh, space burritos that you can make explode? Yes, absolutely. Yeah, <laughs> flinging action with flinging action. You know they have made uh, some weird food stuff before. I think it, it's possible that we will get some uh, uh, rations you can throw. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, I, I know they've been putting out the different uh, Bad Batch action figures. Uh, I want uh, a Wrecker with uh, Lulu, uh, Lula, the Tuca doll for sure. A nice, good vintage three and three quarter. That that's what a Wrecker comes with. Um, and then you said it before, but man, I do want the uh, Camino meeting room, uh, <laughs> the spoon playset, and I I want it to be like a, a large playset, and you can load different fig uh, figures into the top, and then hit a button and be surprised on it. Who comes down? Is it Tarkin? Is it Obi Wan? What's Jyn Erso doing here? You just never know which of your figures is going to yeah, slide down into the spoon. There we'll call it the Tarkin budget meeting playset. <laughs> oh man, they used to make those those great cinema scenes for the yeah. Power of the Force 2. I would love a cinema scene of Tarkin's budget meeting. 
It's the the philosophical battle in the financial battle between clones and stormtroopers finally realize. Well, that is our big look at Aftermath, the first episode of the Bad Batch Report uh, going forward. I believe they are going to be uh, released at uh, midnight uh, Thursday going into Friday, and we're going to be doing our uh, our episodes, our discussions uh, on the following Friday and getting those out. And very excited to see where the show goes. But for now, Ken, do you want to tell people where they can find us? I would love to. We are Force Center Podcast, and we are on Twitter at Force Center Pod. Uh, Instagram, YouTube as well. You can like our Facebook page at Force Center Podcast. You can get an audio book on us by going to audibletrial.com slash Force Center. Get some merch at tpublic.com slash user slash Force Center. Well, a podcast available in a lot of different spots, including Amazon Music, Google Podcasts, uh, and Spotify and all the other places that podcasts are normally found. Uh, also, uh, don't forget, if you want, uh, if you so desire, you can support us directly at patreon.com slash Force Center. I can be found at Kednapsock or Kednapsock.com. Com. And Joseph, uh, where can they find you? Because we might have some new listeners and want them to know. That's right. You can find me Twitter and Instagram at Joseph Scrimshaw, and you can check out all of my comedy adventures uh, on my website, josephscrimshaw.com, my other podcast, Obsessed, some comedy albums. Uh, in, speaking of social media, you can find a link there for a bit that I just put on YouTube. I wrote a bit a long time ago about telling the entire story of A New Hope through the tweets of the main characters, and I just put uh, a refreshed, updated version of that up on YouTube, so if that sounds like some May 4th fun to you, you can go check it out. And I should also be sure to say we're releasing this on May 4th, Star Wars Day. May the 4th be with you, a day that people just get together to celebrate Star Wars. And we're very happy to have uh, celebrated Star Wars with all of you listening. Uh, but for now, for myself, for Ken, for Lula the Tuka doll, this has been the Bad Batch Report. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, 
Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code PROGRAM.